Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's another rocket, man. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast where two movies with something in common go head-to-head to find out which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Rocket Ruckus. On Monday's episode, we were fighting the Nazis on the eve of World War II in Joe Johnson's Rocketeer. And today we are travelling back to 2008 for the first film in the all-conquering Marvel Cinematic Universe, John Favreau's Iron Man. At the end of this episode, we'll have a winner, but which tinhead takes home the gold? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. the Kraken. Hello Clash Podders, I'm Chris Tilly. I'm Vicky Crompton. And back for a second slice of Clash Pod Pie, we've got one third of RKG video, it's Daniel Krupa. Hello. Uh, Daniel, thanks for returning to the show. Were you tempted to sack off episode two or as we record them back to back, did you decide that would be a bit too rude? There's no way out. <laughs> Before we get started, let's have a quick chat about RKG Video, mate. Um, in case we've got any listeners who don't know what that is, do you want to let them know what you guys get up to? Oh, it's very hard to describe, and I really don't want to describe myself as a 34-year-old YouTuber. <laughs> um, I used to work with you at IGN, and then we left to start our own channel company thing, and we just make videos together, and we put them on YouTube. So a lot of them are video game-based, but we've done things like where we completed an incredibly hard video game that takes 40 hours to complete we f- finished it on an 11 hour flight to LA then <laughs> we did diary cam in the toilets and um, yeah that's what it is yeah and I believe you're currently doing something quite fun with a recent Clash Pod film, Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. So um, me and my mate Gav, we, in a week, tried to play 47 different adaptations <laughs> of Jurassic Park. And there's money in this, you say? Yes. yes. <laughs> that's a straight yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's, that's a lot of fun. Sometimes. And, um, yeah, so we played 47 um, games based on the film Jurassic Park to varying degrees of quality. Sure. One of them was produced by the Chris Company Doritos. Wow. You can no longer find it on the internet. It's uh, quite shameful. What's the weirdest point of any of the games you've played? <laughs> there's a there's a MS-DOS game from the late 90s where... It's basically a game where you just paint images of Dennis Nedry. <laughs> and it's basically a computer-based colouring book. Yeah. But within it, there's the ability to record your own VO and make comics. And on YouTube, we watched someone made their own comic about two little dinosaurs that became friends in the lab. <laughs> and then when they're older in the park, the Triceratops stands up for the raptor. Oh, it's that's amazing. It's basically like... Fox and the Hound. That's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> I want to see that movie. Um, so you can follow these guys on YouTube and uh, RKG Video on Twitter. And if you like what they do, uh, do check out their Patreon. And uh, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at ClashPod. Or if you want to email us, we are show at ClashPod.com. And I'll be reading a couple of emails out at the tail end of the show. Right, back to business. Our films are The Rocketeer versus Iron Man, with the connection being Vicky. Yeah, I can fly. Rocket Men. Jet-powered men, superhero, jet-powered man things. Yeah? Perfect. I took us through the Rocketeer on Monday, so now it's the turn of the incomparable Vicky Crompton <laughs> to do Iron Man. Vicky, take it away. When lovable arms dealer Tony Stark is kidnapped in Afghanistan, he realises that weapons of mass destruction aren't just used by whoever he considers the good guys to be to kill people, but also by whoever he thinks the bad guys are to kill people. Who knew? Building a giant suit of iron, or Iron Man, right under the noses of his captors, he escapes home and vows to, wait first, cheeseburger, 
mend his ways and start making huge missiles, drawing the ire of his business partner, Obadiah Stame. As Tony is busy making a new, cooler Iron Man and orchestrating mob justice back in Afghanistan, Stain is busy revealing himself as the real bad guy, reverse engineering his own Iron Man suit, leading to a big boss fight on top of an arc reactor before Iron Man reveals himself to the world as Robert Downey Jr. I mean Tony Stark. <laughs> what are you building, Stark? Your eyes are red. Your tears for your long-lost boss? Tears of joy. I hate job hunting. Yeah, vacation's over. Welcome home, sir. Put up the scanner, with. What happened over there? I had my eyes open. I want to protect the people. I put in harm's way. A man with a dozen of these can rule all of Asia. Yeah, I can fly. Going on here. Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Sue, um, I feel like I, well, let's. Sh- I should ask you your memories of this. No, because... we don't do that section anymore. <laughs> we don't do that anymore. Because... Daniel, anything to add? Your memories of Iron Man? I was very excited for it. <laughs> it was the first one that was made by the newly formed Marvel Studios. And I remember going into, they made a huge thing that they got together some of the best comic book writers that were at Marvel to really brainstorm it and go, how do we crack this? Mm. How do we make something? We don't own our big characters. We don't own Mm X-Men. We don't own Spider-Man. What have we got? And they just put this together, this like super team of writers and Marvel creatives to come up with the treatment of this very, I think it always gets pigeonholed as very obscure character. Not an obscure character, but definitely one tier below Spider-Man. And... I was very excited going into it, and I just thought it's just—I just had the best time watching it. Was it two thousand eight? It yeah. was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the summer of the Dark Knight. Well, this see, this is the thing because I was very excited for the Dark Knight in two thousand and eight, and that was like our big trip, you know, out as a big gang to go and watch a superhero film. And so when I did get round to watching Iron Man, I had such low expectations, um, which it obviously smashed through because it's tons of fun. Um, but then with all MCU stuff, like. I'm a bit more. I'm more of a phase one to phase two girl because <laughs> just because of babies and all the rest of it. So the last thing I went to the cinema to see from MCU was Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and what I most I remember enjoying the film, but what I mostly remember is because I was pregnant, I couldn't drink. But they had a twenty five percent sale on the pick and mix. So I was like, that's amazing. Like that's happened just for me. So I ate my own weight in um, those strawberry cable things and had a really brilliant time. The, this is the second okay. week you've talked about pick and mix. I know, and I actually claimed I didn't like it, and that's so obviously untrue. <laughs> you should do pick and mix pairings. What goes well with what film? That's a good idea. That's, that's a spin-off. That's a spin-off podcast. <laughs> Do you think we'd get free pick and mix? Because I'm 100 percent We've got to get that. something out of one of these podcasts sooner or later. <laughs> free pick and mix. We're, for we're, life. Put, we're putting free a lot of work into it. Free pick and mix for life would be so worth it. I'll take it. Um, so shall we do some background? But please, Daniel, as a as, as an expert, jump in. Um, really? Can you build him up a bit more? Because he does yes. like that. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, so, so, is it a Twitter handle just in case? <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, we've covered off. This is the movie that launched the MCU. um, And so it's hard to think of now, but the future of the whole franchise kind of rested on this. The franchise now, is this right? It's the highest grossing film franchise of all time. Um, It must be. Yeah. Yeah, It must be. With Avengers Endgame being the highest grossing film of all time at the time that I read that. It may not be true anymore. Um, Now then, it went through, the script went through quite a lot of development. Can I just go back a little bit? Because while I was on holiday, I read a book called The Big Picture, The Fight for the Future of Movies, that I didn't know was going to be quite a lot about Iron Man. Oh, that's good. It was quite useful. Yeah. Uh, but it was just in, it, it's just talking about how Netflix and, and Disney have sort of uh, are so taking over the film industry that, that all the other studios are dying or going to die. Um, but the, the bit about Iron Man, it was interesting. When New Line uh, owned the rights to it, uh, their CEO, Bob Shea, said, I'll never make a movie in which Iron Man flies. It just doesn't make any sense. Steel doesn't fly. Okay. So that's a quote that's probably going to live on. What are aeroplanes made of? <laughs> that's a very good point. I'm not, I'm not being snarky. Are they Aluminium? Okay, I actually don't know. No, no, but still. But metal. You hope. I, I feel like he's nitpicking. <laughs> <laughs> but because he made that decision, the rights reverted back to Marvel in 2005. And so to, to, to kick all this off, they had options. It was Captain America, Hulk, Thor or Iron Man. And what I didn't know is they convened a focus group to make this decision. And they brought together groups of children... 
and showed them pictures of the superheroes and described their abilities and weapons, then asked them which ones they would most like to play with as a toy. Mm. The overwhelming answer, to the surprise of many people at Marvel, was Iron Man. Okay. And that's how this all happened, was because kids wanted to play with that toy. Yeah. Well, they're, they're in the business of making a shit ton of money. Yes. So that makes perfect sense. Um uh, over the life of the of the development, Quentin Tarantino was, a, I mean, I don't think attached, but in the mix uh, to direct Nick Cassavetes, John, uh, Joss Whedon, rather. But we end up with John Favreau, who'd had a massive smash with Elf, but then not a massive smash with Zathura Space Adventure. Um, nonetheless, he he's he's absolutely crucial to bringing Robert Downey Jr. in because it's obviously really difficult to disentangle RDJ from Iron Man and the huge, huge, huge success of this film and the films that followed it. But at the time, that was such a risk because I think it's fair to say he was better known for what he got up to off screen. I mean, it's such a cliche thing to say, but it is true. You know, he was known as like hm. unreliable, a bad boy, um, challenges around. And you couldn't get insurance. You couldn't. You couldn't we talked about it, that yeah. on, on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. It was a real issue getting insurance for your leading man. Yeah, which is a huge no. Um, although... It makes perfect sense. So John Favreau thought it made perfect sense because of Iron Man. Iron Man needs to learn. He has an arc. Tony Stark has a character arc. Um, and I've always, you know, we've said this before when we did, um, what's it called? Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Mm. Robert Downey Jr. is the epitome, the walking visualisation of either a lost little boy or an erection. And he's or like and he's nothing nothing in between, no shades of grey. Which is what you need. Because you need to be able to be the big swinging dick billionaire playboy, but also, oh I'm frightened. It's just it's perfect. <laughs> Um. So, because uh, I remember, so the first time I ever heard about an Iron Man movie was when Tom Cruise was going to do it. There was yeah. about two years where it was in the news a lot that uh, Tom Cruise was going to play Iron Man, and I still would quite like to have seen. You know, you in the last episode yeah. you talked about him being a good Rocketeer. I think he would have been a good Iron Man. Obviously, the humor might not have worked as much. He's not known for comedy, Tom Cruise, apart from Tropic Thunder. Yeah, in which he's fucking hilarious. Yep. Um, but I, in terms of the cocky playboy, I think there's few better than Tom Cruise at doing cocky on screen. I mean, it just yeah. would have been an extension of, I guess, Maverick, maybe. Yeah. But um, so yeah, I was almost disappointed when I found out it was Robert Downey Jr. I think a lot of people were. He was quite old. At the, well, he's not old. That's vastly unfair. But he seemed um older mm. to play this, you know, roguish um playboy. But obviously, um, he just totally nailed it. Like it's it's hard to even imagine anyone else doing it better. Yeah. Um, that's as much as I've got to say. Do you want to add to that? No, uh, I guess I guess it was down to two actors, um, uh, Sam Rockwell being the other actor oh, yeah. who was who was uh, going to get the part, and I think he was the front runner for quite a while until Favreau uh, put his foot down, mm. and obviously uh, Rockwell ended up. Sequel. Starring in the sequel, yeah, yeah, uh, and he—I mean—he was good in that. Like, I wanted yeah. more of him. He—he he was a good counterpoint to Danny Junior's Iron Man. He's almost like a pound shot Tony Stark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also very early when when the first time an Iron Man movie was discussed, Nicolas Cage was the guy who was going to play the character. Could you see a Nick Cage Iron Man? I don't know. I think he can do... He's smart in The Rock. I don't know. I don't... He's charismatic. I just don't know. I, I, I think this role is so hard now to separate yeah. and yes. untangle from Robert yeah. Downey Jr. They've got a job on their hands if they want to do any more, don't they? Uh, that's all for me. And you got any... No. no, let's get into it. Let's get into this film. So we open to the sounds of ACDC and Tony Stark is riding with an armoured guard and someone's looking at him the way you should look at RDJ if he's holding a glass of whiskey. Yes? <laughs> What's that mean? <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, okay. <laughs> like, What's about to happen? Um, so the point of this is to set up his character. He is, Tony Stark is rich. He's a somebody and in his words, he's gone 12 for 12 with last year's Maxim cover models, which I like to assume is a boxing reference, but I am prepared to accept that I'm joking. <laughs> Look at your faces. It's fine. He's talking about banging them. It's fine. Um, He's doing a selfie before selfie was a word. Yeah. And then telling people not to put it on their MySpace page. MySpace. That dates it, doesn't it? It's not even that long ago. So bad. Futurist, vision of... <laughs> able to see the future, Tony Stark. That's MySpace. <laughs> 
also, this is, I think, probably a third time I've seen this film. And this on this rewatching was the only time, as much as I banged the drum for like, you would think that I would hate this stuff about Maxim cover models. It didn't really bother me before. The, there's a female soldier in that scene, I think, to give that legitimacy. But however, I give it a pass because Tony Stark has to learn. And so you have to set up that he would say something like that to ostensibly a group of strangers that, yeah, I, you know, I shagged all these cover models and what of it? Oh, and I'm thrilled to bits about it because he's going to learn to mm. sort of leave that more shallow life behind him. I don't see what he's got to learn. <laughs> I don't see what the problem is with this. Oh, for goodness sake. Um, so he's promptly ambushed and kidnapped. And we get uh, quite a lot of exposition done next. Yes, in, <laughs> in I called it the exposition package. Yeah. The ex- and But again, it's so obvious what it's doing. You know, we need to set up that Tony is a genius and that he's he- inherited his dad's flair for craft and for engineering. Um, and also we do need to set up neatly that Obadiah Stane has sort of stepped in for Howard um, and is shepherding the future of this company. Yeah, it's good to set up all that information at the start of the film, isn't it? Like other films that we've covered recently that do that. <laughs> but I love the, the format of an award ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> an exposition package. An exposition package. Um, and we meet um, Obadiah Stane, played by Jeff Bridges, who is really quite scary in this, I think. And I put it down to the fact that he has no hair, but he's not going bald, so it was a choice. And it just makes him look so scary. I know that's. I know that you, you know... Uh, I don't know what I'm going to say. You don't look like Obadiah Stane, but you might do if you try really You're hard. You're also wearing a Hawaiian shirt right now, which he doesn't which wear. Which diffuses your, <laughs> My, your menace. Do I look evil? <laughs> you don't, you do look, I look evil look with a bald so head relaxed. and a beard? No, you look really relaxed. You look really well. I think you're... I've already said that to you. Um, you we've got photos of Stane, uh, cover, magazine covers, uh, with Stane and Stark standing next to each other. And... It's supposed to be a twist in this film that Obadiah Stane is the villain. Yeah. But he's framed and lit and looking at Tony in such a way as to say, yeah. I'm the villain in this movie. Oh, yeah. Like, I felt like it was a bit too much hiding in plain sight when mm. they yeah. could have, I think they could have dealt with that a bit better. And I remember being a bit disappointed at the time when I watched the film. <laughs> Do you think like, that's oh, why they um, put him on a Segway? Because no, no self-respecting villain would ride a Segway. So he's so obviously the villain, but then the next time you see him, he's like... <laughs> it's like, oh, maybe you're not. John Favreau's like, I'll throw them off the set. <laughs> oh, but then you've got a massive cigar. It's like, oh, it's, now it's just balanced out. Also, have you seen what he's done to his head? They're going to they're gonna know. <laughs> um, was originally he meant to be set up for the villain in the second movie? I don't know. I mean, they did I have an... some talk it, about that that would be a slow burn. Right. I think it's the problem with all these first time movies for heroes is you can't really spend that much time with the villain and setting up a villain. So, so often the villain comes from just their workplace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yellow jacket in Ant-Man or, well, the, or it's just like a mirror image of the actual hero to save on exposition. Well, the yeah. issue they had is is the Mandarin is essentially Iron Man's Joker, but he yeah. uh, is seen as a racist character now. And so it was very tricky. And I just don't think... And also he's a magical character and I don't think they wanted to get into yeah. magic at this that, point. What's that? Another 20 minutes, 30 minutes? Yeah. Setting, you know, and yeah. you're so far away from... This film is just Tony Stark's journey. Yeah. And the weakest bits are when it has to like hijack it with other stuff that it yeah. doesn't spend the time. Yep, I agree. Um, We established that Tony gets the girls, no trouble. Uh, So we have a journalist played by Leslie Bibb who's doing that whole, oh, I hate you, I love you thing. I believe she popped up in a previous quiz that I did. I did a quiz. I was just, I noticed how many female journalists in movies sleep with their targets. Uh, And. Uh, was a bit disgusted by it, so I did a quiz on that subject. Also, when you used to interview people, you used to refer to them as targets. <laughs> I thought, because you two are subject. journalists, I thought subject. that was a real thing. Oh, subject. In your flat, there's like a wall, isn't there? Just... <laughs> the red string. Target for Monday, target for Thursday. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I slept with all of them. <laughs> um, but the point, possibly the point of this scene, is uh, we're going to set up Pepper. Pepper Potts played by Gwyneth Paltrow, mm. who I like in this, but she sort of wrecks it for the sisterhood by slut-shaming Leslie yeah, Bibb. She's all like, oh, judges. I take out the trash. It's like, chill out, Gwyneth. Yeah, she just mm. slept with a very hot man. Yeah, why not? Rock and roll. Why not? But the point of that line, I believe, is obviously is to set up uh, the unrequited love between 
uh, Tony and Pepper quite early on. I think that's what it's there for. What do you think? Yeah, and it's interesting because this was my first time watching this in a few years. And obviously, much more recently, I've seen the end of the Avengers story. Mm. And so it is interesting seeing stuff that's set up here that pays off, you know, 15, Million. 18 movies later. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was surprised at how big a uh, part this unrequited romance plays in this film mm-hmm. that I'd kind of forgotten. I thought she just looked at him a bit lovingly a couple of times in this film and it was mm. we filled in the blanks. But actually, it's pretty pronounced. Yeah. I mean, with the stuff with the heart later on in the film, like it's pretty pronounced that she's in love with this guy. Oh, yeah. And that also that he needs her as well. He's yeah. quite clear about that. Mm, I thought it was very sweet. And I did, I, it, it, does, it works in a different way knowing how this story will end. And, yeah. And just before we get back to the cave, I just want to give a shout out to one of my favourite things in the world. And again, this is such a geeky writer thing to love and possibly a bit of a stupid thing to love. One of my favourite cuts ever is where someone says, I'm not drinking, smash cut, they're hammered. I love that cut. And I just love it. Whenever it pops up, I'm a massive fan. So Try to do it in real life. Try to do it in real life. Can we do that at the end of this podcast? <laughs> yeah. Can I end the podcast and we smash cut to the pub? So they're on the plane, Rody, played by Terence Howard and Tony Stark, going to launch the Jericho weapon, uh, which will be the end of our flashback. And he's just like, I'm not drinking, bank. And I just, I love shit like that. So here's a question. Who's your favourite, who's your favourite roadie? Is it Terence Howard or Don Cheadle? I mean, it's difficult because I think the character of roadie in this one is just a bit dull. Mm. I don't get it. I just don't see him as a fun foil. Um, well, his last line is literally the point, isn't it? It's like, next time, baby. It's like, yeah. you, you don't get much to do with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry, all this work will pay off, Terence. <laughs> Terence. Yeah. Oh, See you in a few. Oh, oh. oh he's, he's always quite hard work, isn't he? Isn't <laughs> it true that he was so? Wasn't he paid more than RDJ for this film? Is that true? I think so. And he was certainly it was it was over him demanding more money for the second one, which is not how Marvel decided to work <laughs> and no. got away with. But yeah, he was kind of the big star, as big a star as Downey going into this because he was coming off the back of Hustle and Flow, which had been a huge hit, and mm. he got an Oscar nomination. So. Um, yeah, he he was one of the reasons that this film got made. but And I think he was the first person cast in it as well. Right. And the first person kicked off. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're back in the cave. And we are with Tony and Yinsen, played by Sean, help me with his last name, Taub or Tube? Okay, mm, Dom. To help you. That's fine. Um, who's excellent in this. Um, he saved Tony's life. We've got some shrapnel moving towards his heart, but he makes this sort of powered by a car battery what will become the arc reactor to mm. keep the shrapnel out of his we've heart got, we've got the Breaking Bad montage yeah that's a good <laughs> that's a good reference so he makes his first suit right under the noses of his captors as I've said to the point where uh, Yinsen helps Tony try on a leg brace yes on full, in full view of the CCTV I have some questions here they're trying on lots of different bits of it in, yeah. while we look we're, they're showing us it through the CCTV yeah. yeah and there's blind spots in the CCTV and you'd think as a evil genius yeah. captor you'd be like no blind spots organised he's built multiple languages he knows the history of Genghis Khan <laughs> he comes in and he's yeah. not figuring out any of that oh wait these sketches that looks a bit like an arm <laughs> <laughs> why have you got a helmet yeah and also on third viewing of this film we're in that cave for so much longer than I remember like mm. it's 40 minutes ish until we get out of the cave and in my memory it was a really quick job to set up I've made a suit and then mm. we're into the film did they say how long he's kidnapped for like what passage of time do you reckon we're talking? They do about? say, and I cannot remember. Yeah, I mean, it it just it doesn't drag because we've had the flashback to break it up. But it, yeah, I've I've felt maybe we could have got out of that cave a little bit quicker. Mm. Oh, but only on third viewing, you know. But they also, I feel like they do brilliantly build up the anticipation for the the arrival of that Mark One. Cost, yes, uh, outfit for the first time. Yeah, and there's some nice character stuff from Yinsen uh, to set up Tony's change. So we're talking about families, and Yinsen says to him, "Oh, you, you know, you don't. He, does, he doesn't have a family." And he says, "Oh, you're a man who has everything and nothing, which is important mm. because Tony Stark. That's why RDJ does a good job because he doesn't throw off all of these material things that someone like that would cherish. But he's starting to learn that there may be things that are slightly more important, which we'll talk more about after a break." Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Nicole Goodman. And I'm Lauren Mishcon. In 2020, self-care can seem like yet another overwhelming job for women. Every week, we test out a new kind of self-care so you don't have to. Firstly, can we just clarify how we pronounce kombucha? Kombucha. Yeah. Kombucha. Kombucha. Self-care club. Wellness road tested. So that was the first yeah. day. You know, it was just the not slipping into the complete default mode of what I normally do, which is have a go at my husband for what he hasn't done. And, you know, all of that stuff, I kind yeah. of stopped. Okay, so it was more the absence of meanness rather than the projection <laughs> of kindness at this initial point. Yes. Listen now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. This week, we are testing out menstrual cups. How are you feeling? Dreading it. I know that you love to give a practice that's all about down below. I'm not interested. I've never even really thought about it since before I met you. You've never thought about your vagina until you met me. It doesn't get a lot of air time. <laughs> it doesn't get a lot of air time. No, it doesn't. The Self-Care Club is a Stakhanov production. Okay, so now that Tony's out, he wants to change his ways. He knows that the big arc reactor that he has works on a miniature scale and he thinks he can use this to change the world. But Obadiah is not keen on this. He's not keen on being part of a weapons company that doesn't make weapons. Um, And there's quite a lot about shareholders, which is fairly dull, um, but sort of fine. I feel like Tony could do a better job pitching it to him. Just going... (laughs) Seriously, (laughs) this will make more money than all the weapons. And then if Obadiah goes, I just love killing people, then you know. Yeah. That's how you get him. Because if he's a businessman, you just go, this is going to make us more money than anything we've ever made. Yeah. Just doesn't do a good job pitching it to him. He just doesn't. Yeah, he just can't be asked, can he, really? He just, yeah, one line. He's not coming into work. He's doing it in his basement. (laughs) He's hiding in his basement. He's working from home before everyone... They're they're also one of these things that I didn't mention in my intro uh, on Monday, but you know the 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 things that this film sets up that the MCU continues is introducing characters in tiny roles in early films, yeah, own them to blossom. And so Agent Coulson, we meet here, love him, who I found a bit annoying in the first couple of films that he appeared in. Um, he he wants his debrief. You don't really know who he is or what he's up to. Yeah, and you don't know that he's as funny or obviously as important as he comes to be, but. You know, they were doing that right from the word go. It wasn't something they sort of figured out later on that we can just seed stuff, mm. yeah, and let, allow it to grow, which I really like about these films. And the in Act Two, we've got some cute stuff with Pepper, which you've mentioned. Um, so she digs around in his chest uh, for his heart. Um, it's playing a game of operation, isn't it? It's yeah, like, it's like real life operation. Yeah, and it's it's really sweet. And uh, you know, maybe you don't know. I love a montage. Um, and so Tony's building and testing the new suit and you've got that quite funny bit with uh, he gets constantly sprayed by his sort of fire spray robots, I'll call it. Quite cute. Well, that's a genius as well. Uh, this scene, we get the first time we get the close-up of, of Tony Stark's face when he's in the suit. Yeah. Um, and we talked about that when we were going to watch these films uh, together, Daniel and I, each time. It was clear Danny Jr. was doing less and less work and it was more and more of him in a room with a camera on his face. Okay. So they could create these huge action scenes. He could be in as many of them as you want because he's never appearing in them. He's sitting in a room with a camera on him for one day, basically, yeah. doing all the performing he needs to, and the rest of it is CG. And so it was a, it's genius, really. Nice job if you can get yeah, it, I yeah. suppose. Stick a helmet on him, keep the helmet on him, and yet we can still see his face. Yeah. And it's costing us much less money. It's much less dangerous. Well, the thing we used to talk about, because it also solves that problem of following him during the big set pieces... You still get a human reaction to the stakes of what's going on on screen. Yeah. I think the worst example of that is Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movie. There's a sequence, well, just all the stuff in the end, when you've got Green Goblin in a mask, Spider-Man in a mask, and they're just giving these disembodied lines. 
Yeah. You have no idea who's <clears throat> yeah. like, you don't really know the sense of the emotion. So in Spider-Man 2, they have Alfred Molina play Doc Ock, so at least the villain has facial expressions. Yeah. And then they've kind of got around that problem recently by giving Spider-Man those really expressive eyes, the mechanical eyes. Mm-hmm. So at least you can <clears throat> inject some kind of yeah. reaction into them. But there's only scenes. so many times you can have his mask come off. Yeah. And uh... Yeah, I mean, I think the point of Iron Man, the Mark 1, is that it's the face, because it's so blank and expressionless, is terrifying. Mm-hmm. And Obadiah Stane uses that to more of his advantage. But you're there to see Robert Downey Jr. be funny and make wisecracks. So the line when... So if you've got Iron Man as scary, sort of the faceless executor of justice, mm. um, when he's with Rhodey and he's like, keep the skies clear, but you can't see his face. You're like, what a dick. What a thing to say. <laughs> like, mm. Because you can't see his cheeky little grin. So he doesn't pull it off. It's just like, shut up, man. Like, you do your job. I'll do mine. What's cool as well, like, this film, uh, obviously towards the end, but foreshadows a lot of the MCU. Just get rid of that old, tired idea of secret identities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That Tony Stark in a suit is as much Iron Man as when he's actually in the suit. <laughs> yeah. Because it is an extension of his mind. Like in the subsequent movies, you can just call a suit whenever he wants. There's a suit inside his skin in the third one. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the script here, uh, we've got an attempt. It doesn't quite work for me, but... We're trying to marry Tony's personal journey with the plot because, as you said, with these uh, sort of origin stories, first superhero outings, we, we've got a lot of background about the character and then all of a sudden it's like, shit, we do need an act three. So everything sort of crashes together. Um, so Obadiah is still, cheeky, selling arms to uh, people that turn out to be Tony's captors. Is it the Ten Rings? Ten Kings? Mm-hmm. Ten Wings? Um, so Tony goes to a village to take his revenge, blows up his own weapons, which... Are it could never be a good idea, like to blow up a missile with. But fine, I think that would be explosive. I think it would be more explosive than it is. I think it would go off. Um, I but, mean, just the fact that he kills people in cold blood. Oh, this it, is a well, super... the escape sequence as well. It kills shitloads. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's, he's them alive. He's a superhero <laughs> yeah. who doesn't have a family-friendly moral compass. Yes, he is going to kill fuckers <laughs> and not feel bad about it. And uh, that was that was slightly different, you know. I guess two thousand eight killing a load of terrorists probably went down all right yeah and 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 you know what i think that there's a lot to be said for that because as well a lot of the newsreel style style footage or that cctv camera work is like the news you would the videos you would see on the news this grainy um footage of terrorists Mm. um and it, it, it 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 happened in the horror films at the time as well stuff like uh, hostile and sore with people you know tied to chairs and being tortured like i think the news really influenced superhero movies of this period and also horror films yeah agreed also, um, I guess that theme of America's involvement on a global scale, like mm. what he literally goes over to another country to sort out their problems he does. individually. Yes, personally, sorts that shit out. <laughs> I think it's interesting that having killed quite a lot of people fairly indiscriminately on his way out of the cave, when he goes back to, is it Golmira? There's an interesting scene, and I think it's why we've got two bad dudes, because we've got Raza plus another baddie. And I think the only reason we've got two bad dudes is so one of them can die at Golmira um, and show that Tony's had his revenge. Mm. But the way he gets his revenge is mob justice because he leaves him on the floor, the bad guy on the floor, and says again, but no emotion, he's all yours or something, and then jets off. So is that to show that that's his new version of violence or his new version of rather than it's like a levelling of the playing field? Because he's unleveled the playing field. He suddenly realises, idiot, by selling very explosive weapons all over the world. But now he's decided that's bad. So what he'll do is be like, you get what you deserve and you fucked these people over, so I'll leave you in their hands. Which is still violence mm. and he's still he's still culpable for that man's death, but he's less, um, less grand, less sort of uh, demonstrative mm. than what he was doing before. That's what I, that's what I, I read think, into it. I think that's the thing. He doesn't have the answer. As smart as he is, he's using his technology in a better way doesn't mean it's the answer. Technology is a solution. And in all the films to come, he keeps trying new ways of protecting the world. Age of Ultron, he tries to create a shield around the world and it turns on the world. He's like, I'm bloody trying here. I'm I'm doing my best. I'm I'm a genius, but I don't know the answer. I can try. And I think this is just his version. I don't think it's any necessarily like the right one. Yeah. Um, And then we're sort of racing to the end. Um, Obadiah is finally unmasked as the proper baddie. Because, oh, is, is he the baddie? I never. I know you wouldn't have seen figure it coming. That out. Because didn't see that coming. And then a personal Vicky thing, which I love, which is Robert Downey Jr. says to Gwyneth Paltrow, "Go and hack into the mainframe," and she's like, "Got it." 
what does that mean? But I love it in a film when someone's like, just go and hack into the mainframe. And someone goes, mm-hmm. and what it really means is, can you save these files on this USB it's stick? On USB stick? I wasn't even hacking. <laughs> no, she just turns it on. I think at least Obadiah, you would think, maybe he doesn't, maybe he's worked at that company for so long, he actually doesn't understand a lot of technology. Yeah. So he just put all those files in the folder on his desktop that says private. <laughs> yeah. Personal files. Personal files. And his password My is just... pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and she knows his password, and because it's obviously just like his birthday or whatever. <laughs> um, and then we have our big boss fight eventually, which, if I'm being honest, I did think was a bit dull. Apart from, I love the payoff with the ice. Yeah, I mean, before that though, yeah, it's like it's like watching a, a scene from the Transformers movies, yeah. isn't it? Or at that time, I guess Hollywood had figured out how to m- put these mech suits on screen so humans could be in robotic suits. District Nine did it. There's quite a yeah. few films of that era did it, and it, it's I don't know. It just becomes. It does feel like you aren't watching a a, a live action film anymore. Yeah, it's not. There's no genuine peril in it. There's no stakes. It's just at night. It's dark. It's not even visually that appealing. I don't like the Iron Monger suit. I love that he says Iron Monger earlier in the film, mm. just to get that in for comic book nerds. Yeah, yep. absolutely ridiculous. It's, he says it. It's 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 shoehorned in. I, Although this scene does allow him to say, "Hold still, you little." I was prick. just about to say that's a fantastic line. <laughs> but also, I laughed at it, and I've laughed at it three times. But to be more um, analytical about it, it does perfectly sum up what Obadiah's attitude to our DJ to Tony yeah. Stark would yeah, be. He's a, he's a kid who was given. It. The, the company that was uh, Stain thought he was going to have at the age of 21. Yeah, and he's yeah. had enough of him and he's a man-child and he's angry about it and you yeah. would call him a little prick and, yeah. and it is very funny. I, but I, as I you don't say- like the suit is just a bigger version of the Mark 1 suit. Yeah. I, yeah. I love that he's so confident. He's like, this is superior to yours in every way. It's like, don't look at me. It <laughs> but as you say, uh, they'd already set up the fact that the uh, the higher you fly, the icing problems on the suit. So that's a great callback for, yeah. the, for the... How did you solve the ice problem? Mm. And he sort of goes, what ice problem? Or something. And mm. then just crashes down. And I, I like stuff like that. I like, you know, we, do, we all like a set of and pay off. Um, and then we've got the press conference where... Um, Iron Man, Tony Stark. Oh, actually, the lack of a kiss. So this is maybe why you think that Pepper's story with Tony Stark was quite a minimal thing. Mm. Whereas we've had the scene, there's a scene prior where they're at the charity ball, something. Um, And Gwyneth Pepper Potts is really uh, flustered because Tony turns up, he wasn't supposed to turn up and she's wearing this dress, this dress. And she sort of flaps around a lot about this dress. And they have a drink, but he goes to get her a drink and then he just fucks off home because he realises that Obadiah is selling weapons and doesn't go and get her. You forget about it and she reminds you and they're sort of, he's like, do you remember that night? And she's like, yeah, you left me by myself. Mm. And that's a really good way to sort of set them apart again. But you could also make the case that, oh, maybe a kiss would have been nice because, you know, you're watching Iron Man 1, you don't know there's going to be an Iron Man 2. And so it might it may have been a bit disappointing. You want the CEO to kiss one of his employees. Oh, God, that's a good point. No. Mm. His only employee? Also his direct report. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's no HR. Where would she go? To Jarvis is HR. Yeah, but that's no good, is it? Um <laughs> That's such a good point. Thank you again for educating me. That's all right. (laughs) And so we have a press conference. He's, because he's Tony Stark slash actual Robert Downey Jr., he's like, guys, let's sit down. Um, Let's do this sitting down. So they do, and it just relaxes everyone. They're like, oh, my God. And he's like, oh, fuck it. I am Iron Man. (laughs) I wish he'd said it like that. He should have done. In a Blackburn accent. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I do feel like I'm outnumbered by the people of Blackburn today. I think Iron Man actually refers to Jack Walker. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. High five. Yes. That's a little in-joke. Ashley went round the back of my grandma's house asking for scrap metal. Really? A wheelbarrow. Yeah. When he was running the football club. (laughs) Yeah, well, how do you fund your transfers? How do you build your stadium? It's like, I'm working on that Zidane transfer. (laughs) That's why it never happened. (laughs) Um, On that note, oh, and then obviously the bonus scene, which you talked about, which comes right at the end of the, the end credits, where Nick, here's Nick Fury. Hooray, Mr. Stark, you've become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet, which uh, is fine if you get to see it. But if you've run off to go for a wee or, you know, sort out the parking, you might miss that. But it's very important. And that's it. That's it. That's all I have. That's all you have. Yeah. 
any more for any more? No, okay. I'm good. Shall we do the bits? Let's do the bits. Right. Can't we change the name of the bits in Alex's absence? Yeah, well, go on. What have you got? Oh, I don't know. Mm, see, the, 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 you see, you fucked up because you had a window of opportunity Shit. there where I was interested and now I'm not. Okay. The it's parts? Just, the, the bits is good. The bits is good. It's the business. Like very British. It's just like, oh, I'm doing my bits yeah. before I'm heading out. Yeah, getting okay. me bits. Yeah. Sorry, Alex. Uh, Daniel, what was your best scene? My best scene, I think, was Obadiah um, Stain shouting at the man trying to miniaturise the arc reactor. And he says, Tony Stark <laughs> was able to build this in a cave with a box of scraps. <laughs> this is not a good management technique. <laughs> this man is quite clearly not up to the job, but don't have a go at him. Because who else have you got? I no just, one. I just like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. What do you want from me? You build people up. That's not, the thing, yeah. I'm not trying. Yeah. You or don't... at least the shit sandwich. Like, you've done amazing. Yeah. It's not quite what I asked for. But I know you can do it. I have to tell you how to use your computer every day. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five is not a password. Um, Chris? I'm going to go for that post-credit sting. Because oh, I really? think it literally changed cinema. And I guess, you know, you, the, you can argue over at what point they decided on this big plan. But there is, re-watch this film, there is so much in there. Jarvis telling him about only if you visit other planets with this suit. Yeah. The mm. naming of S.H.I.E.L.D., the, the naming of the Avengers Initiative. I mean, they were pretty confident that they were going to do this. Also, so. also, like, you put it out there. And if yeah. it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Like, doesn't if you matter, go back yeah. to some of those um, DC films, <laughs> there's lots of those bits in there. <laughs> Quite a few. And, we and used to talk about them regularly. Well, it's a cognitive bias, isn't it? Those films are never going to get made, so they just look like dangling threads. They just had, were lucky that they got to pay off on some of them. Yeah. Or was it luck, or was it genius? I think to have that to have that vision um, and to follow through with it. The yeah, I just so that post credit sting I think is is really special, and it was magical seeing that in a cinema and hearing the audience reaction. It was super. Did exciting. you know it was going to come because it was leaked, wasn't it? Like I know that like, like Kevin Feige tried to keep it really secret, but that didn't work, and so people heard that it was there. Probably knew that it was coming, but equally you're surrounded by people who didn't know it was coming as well, so you can feel that excitement. Also, people, why are they there? Yeah. I don't understand. Who sits through all the credits? Oh, that is a good point, actually. People with nowhere else to go? What kind of cinema do you No, people who are respectful, Vicky, (laughs) of all the people that worked on a bloody movie. I'd like to stay to the end just to check no animals were hurt intentionally. (laughs) Oh, I see, yeah. I thought you were going to say to do the sweet, you know, like... that line... Then you're like the punching stuff. I, yeah. I, I like to check my films. Not to do the mind sweep for people's old Maltesers, <laughs> like oh, the other ring of Maltesers <laughs> from a cinema. All right, that's how you do it. I mean, we're just different. That's all. You with all your money for Maltesers, <laughs> very different life. Um, my best scene is the making of the you know the Iron Man suit that you know and love the, with the red and gold and the montage and just to button it with the fire spray thing. I think is very funny. Uh, MVW, please, Chris. Most valuable, whatever. I'm torn here between Kevin Feige for having that vision I just talked about and John Favreau for setting the tone of these films. It's like I was thinking about it um, when I was reading that book uh, that I mentioned earlier about these films. It's like a sitcom, the tone they've set. It's like it's like moonlighting almost. Like the to- the tone is light and fun and mm. bubbly, and and then you've got this fun action in between. But. <clears throat> I'm going to give it to Kevin Feige because uh, I think this is the start of something really special that has given me so many hours of entertainment for the last 12 odd years. And Daniel, your most valuable whatever. So I've got two. Uh, Ho Yinsen says, don't waste it. Don't waste your life, Stark. He is directly responsible for saving half of the life in the universe. <laughs> so if he doesn't say that, maybe he doesn't yeah. have a big change. So that is a very, well done, very Yinsen. good. Well done, Yinsen. Our lives are in his hands. And then the other one I put down is there's a miraculous third cheeseburger. Is there? So when he gets out of the, the limo, he's had one cheeseburger, yep. hands the bag um, to John Favreau, yep. takes another cheeseburger. Yep. Everybody's saying, oh, can I have that one? He's like, oh, I've only got one. Yeah. He eats that on the way into the press conference. Uh-huh. And then when he sat down on the floor, he takes a third cheeseburger out of his inside pocket. <laughs> so at some point in the limo, he's put a reserved cheeseburger in his pro- pocket. That makes me feel later. a little bit sick. <laughs> Yeah. Like, who puts a cheeseburger too near their skin? Yeah. I think that's weird. I, w- I was once, <laughs> I was once at, I ended up at Colin Firth's birthday party. Right. At. Ended up. Soho House. house. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I'd been, no, I'd been, I'd been, I'd been out with his wife. I'd been out with his wife. Okay. Weirdly. She, she Making a, it sound worse. She had, a fi- well, she had a film premiering, a documentary she produced for MySpace. And I was working oh, at wow. MySpace just to 
MySpace callback. I didn't know you worked at MySpace. Well, kind of. Um, IGN and MySpace were part of oh, right. the same company. And so I uh, went to the party and Stellan Skarsgård's wife said to me, do you want a burger? Or his girlfriend or some, some woman he was with. And I said, what, have you got burgers? She goes, yeah, I've got loads. And she opened up her bag and she'd nicked a bunch of burgers and put them in a handbag. Were they wrapped up? Uh, one wasn't. Oh. One didn't look like it was falling out of the wrapping. Mm. I said, Stellan Skarsgård no. was dating the hamburger. Yes. <laughs> I said no thanks and, and, and what I tell you what, I'm being sneery, but I want to put a full pine in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I was so convinced it God. would work. I had a massive I always, I've always got a big bag. A massive bag with quite a firm bottom. Yeah. And we were like, We've got to go, we're moving on. I was like, I've just got a pint. So I was like, We'll just take it with you. And I was like, Yeah, we'll do. And I'm gonna put it in a bag. And I was like, This is fine. That's... And just swung it down the street That's and what they should have done swung with Mary it. Poppins remake. Yeah. Just... Was surprised to find that the liquid had somehow <laughs> moved from the glass <laughs> to the rest of my bag. I like a blazer pocket that can fit a full yeah. pint in. <laughs> if you're carrying stuff into a screening or something. You say that on Savile Road. Can you <laughs> You pints in these, can you? You can do a and, and, a, and a bottle one up top. <laughs> ah, the Kingsman. <laughs> um, my MVW, I think quite predictably, is Robert Downey Jr. He just is Iron Man and he's a huge part of this gamble that paid off so entirely, obviously. Um, if you could change anything, Daniel, what would you change? I think we've already touched on this, but I think... <sighs> I can't imagine what the other villain is that doesn't make the movie worse because it detracts from Tony Stark's journey. So I think it's a necessary evil to have one of these kind of villains. I just think the design and the orchestration of that final fight could just be better, even if it has to be the Ironmonger and it has to be a bigger version of his suit. Just that sequence could be more interesting. Mm -hmm. And they telegraphed it from the start. I I don't know anyone who didn't spot that twist that Stain was the baddie. Uh, And their twist did get better as they went along, especially in Iron Man 3. But I wish they'd done better here. So that's my change as well. Okay. Mine is, um, which we talked about when in the rush to set up Act 3, Tony Stark's inner journey sort of matches with his outer journey. But I wish he was building the suit to fight an enemy and not just building a suit. Because as entertaining as that is, and I do love that montage, you're watching a man sort of test out his tech. And that's great. But if there was the jeopardy of, if I don't get this done on time, something bad will happen. Mm. And it's kind of there. Um, and it's not really, it's not a criticism. It's just maybe more could be made of that. So like when he goes to the village to enact his mob justice, there's no jeopardy there apart from for the villagers, which being cruel, you don't really care about that much. If he fails in his mission to get his revenge, okay. Whereas it could be he's made his suit, he goes to Golmira, a bit of the suit. I mean, this is not what they should have done. But in theory, a bit of the suit gets knocked off. So now when he knows he faces the big boss baddie, he is at a disadvantage that we've seen happen because of his quest rather than, you know. But I, I still like the way it's done. I like the fact that Obadiah takes the arc reactor and so Tony's got to work with a suit that's less effective. That's all good. But to be perfect for me, you're, you're, um, the stories that are running in parallel sort of meet a bit sooner. Uh, all right, so uh, that is Iron Man in a nutshell. So now it's time for the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! And I think we'll leave our guest until last in the hope that he has the added pressure of having to pick an outright winner. So let's kick off with your verdict, Vicky. Oh, um, I'm surprised by how much I enjoyed The Rocketeer. Um, it's It leaves a, a lasting impression of having had a good time, super sweet, uh, like an enjoyable romp. Um, and yet watching Iron Man for the third time, I was still hugely entertained and I would still watch it again. And I think I think the, the, the charisma of the leading man is what's going to tip it over into uh, Iron Man for me. I'm afraid, yes, Iron Man. I like the charm and the magic in the heart of the Rocketeer. Um, and it does hark back to that a more innocent time, certainly than Iron Man puts on screen. But the special effects are so important in a film like this uh, that's so much about spectacle and they're just not weren't quite there in 1991. Although reading reports, apparently people thought they were amazing. So just seriously, like some mm. things, some effects date worse than others, I think. Mm. Maybe so. Um, I was so engaged with Iron Man. The pace is, is so phenomenal. Um, but I, Iron Man isn't the best Iron Man movie. Uh, that's Iron Man 3, where mm-hmm. they've had more time to develop the characters and the relationships, and I think it packs an emotional punch because of that. And the twist and the villain works, unlike here, um, but The Rocketeer isn't up against Iron Man 3. It's fine with this film. Um, and for that reason, I'm going to go with optimism rather than cynicism. I'm going with The Rocketeer. Oh, that's nice. No pressure. Surprising myself with that. <laughs> surprising me. So, yeah, uh, Daniel Krupa, you are on the spot. Which film is going to win? 
I'm going to pick Iron Man. Yes. <laughs> I no, need no, a win. No, I just, it is a better movie. It's, it's an incredibly fun movie watching again. I've not seen it for five years or so. And not just because you know what comes in its wake and those little lines that call forward, but in just bigger things like having a hero who loves being a superhero, who's a hero out in the public by the end. That is the template for the Marvel films to come. That It's not about someone sneaking off and going, oh, where have they gone? And playing <laughs> on that to the point where it becomes nauseating. It really just nails the tone of the comics and that character. And it took this B-tier character and made him arguably Marvel's most prized asset. Yeah, good choice. I and it's the right yeah, choice. It is. It is the right choice. So there you have it. Iron Man is the winner. Yeah. This is probably the biggest thing that's happened since the MCU started to these characters. I would have said so. Uh, so congratulations to Ken Feige, <laughs> John Favreau and Robert Downey Jr. Your crowning achievements. Uh, right, I promised you some feedback. So uh, we've got a tweet that's a question for Vicky. Oh, right. From Mark Shea. Yep. He says, just listen to the Dread episode. Yeah. Uh, Vicky replies to the question, how would you debase yourself for credits <laughs> with the answer, I cannot be bought? Yeah. Mark wants to know, how did you go from that to £11 so quickly? <laughs> uh, i got two words for you, Mark. Um, COVID-19. <laughs> it's fucking tough out there, man. You don't know. There's <laughs> uh, your answer, Mark. And uh, I've got an email uh, as well. Um, thanks for all your emails. We've got a bunch of really great film suggestions, pairing suggestions as well. A couple that I'm sure we're going to do um, as and when. But uh, yes, this email reads, My name is Grant and I'm all in. Yay! <laughs> uh, uh, by this, I mean I've now listened to every single edition of Clash. I'm a labourer on a building site where they are pretty relaxed with elf and safety, so I'm able to keep one headphone in throughout the day. <laughs> I'm worried about this, Grant. I'm worried about this. If you're on a building site, please take your headphones out. He said the exact, that's exactly the sort of thing that winds you up. I'm I... worried about Grant. <laughs> I don't want Grant to get in an accident because he's laughing at one of my jokes. <laughs> Uh, Good one. <laughs> and then he, and then he's written a nice list. He said, "Chris, I live for Tilly trivia, and I literally spat on my tea with laughter when you called Vicky self righteous spice. If you decide to put that on a mug to use as merch, I would buy one. Vicky, mm -hmm. if somehow it turned out that I was the heir to the fortune of Bill Gates, I would spend hundreds of millions on the necessary work to shoot your rewrites. Oh, <laughs> what a talent!" Lovely. And Alex, really enjoy your input on the show as you are clearly passionate about film. Also, you had a sesh with a few of my pals after Camden Crawl about 10 years ago and they said you were an absolute gent. Oh, that's really nice. So thank you, Grant. And yeah, Alex is a gent in the pub, mm. just not on the podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, on to next week's show. Alex, remind us of the clues and tell us what we are doing. No, Alex isn't here again. Um, right, the clue that Daniel picked was... The identity of next week's films are a mystery that you'll need all your powers of deduction to solve. Uh, Alex is giving you, Vicky, yeah. uh, the 1985 film Clue. Yay! Clue, <laughs> uh, which is screening on Sky Cinema at the moment and available to rent on Amazon, okay. which means Alex has given me the 2019 film Knives Out, uh, which is free on Amazon Prime. And one of those films stars... Tim Curry. So that's our Tim Curry mention, which I've forgotten. Oh, <laughs> I I'm just, you and under no obligation. I just did it. Do uh, we ever get feedback about the obligatory Tim Curry mention? Because no, no, I don't think anyone no, cares. No. It's only Alex that cares about it. I don't know why I did it when he's not here. I d I'm surprised at you, to be honest. Oh, I just want to make him happy. Right, that's it. Uh, thank you all for listening. And a big, big, big thank you to Daniel Kruper for bringing a little piece of the superhero show to Clash of the Titles. If this hasn't ended our friendship, will you come and do it again sometime? Absolutely. Ah, oh, thank you. Excellent. Right, uh, that is your lot. Unlike Tony Stark, we're happy for you to share this on your MySpace page. <laughs> so please do rate and or review and or subscribe. And failing that, just tell a friend to give us a listen. And with that, we bid you a fond farewell. Goodbye. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.